Hey, y'all, Wilden here, and uh, E3, it's finally over. It's finally done. We, it, it, it was a long one. We trudged through it, but now we finally made it to the other side. You can take a slight breath of relief, ease the tension a little bit. It's a over celebratory shot, if you feel so inclined. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is going to be our final E3 podcast uh recap here uh make sure you listen to our previous episodes if you haven't uh they are also posted where this is on the on the vod on the on the link uh but since this is the special one not only is it the last one but for the first time we actually have everybody together on the same podcast episode we're finally here it's we finally did it over <laughs> finally here for the final countdown starting with Cammy. Hello, hello. Ready to ready to power through this final day of E3. It's been exciting. Yeah, we're we're finally here, finally here. And then also uh returning pepperoni. Pepperoni, welcome back. Hello again. Today was nice. It was just kinda okay. <laughs> I like I like you're just kinda chill, just chilling. Uh, and then the guy that takes a lot of notes and is watching mostly everything, but I think he's doing A-OK today, uh, Dizzy. Welcome back. Oh my god, yesterday I was so hyped, I had, like, so much news to share, and now with today, it's, it's, it's a little bit hard now to decide what's more interesting than the other. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, I, interesting. And then... Coming back to us, I think feeling a little bit better, feeling a little bit more okay. Draguna, welcome back. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Yeah, yeah, had a rough Sunday. Had a little rough of a Sunday, but you know, you live and you learn, you recover, and that's the more important thing. Well, that's and good. thanks to Draguna, it's that mm -hmm. I learned proper note-taking for this event. So thank you, Sensei. <laughs> and uh, let's just hope this next Sunday goes smoother, right? Yeah. No, it's definitely going to be running a lot smoother. By the way, what is happening next Sunday, for those that don't know? Next Sunday, um, as you as you mentioned, it, next Sunday, we have a charity stream going on, a G4 community charity stream benefiting able gamers. You don't say. I do say. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's, uh, make sure to check that out, guys. We did a... It'll be our second ever... G4 community a stream on G4 community channel. Our first one went pretty well, uh, raising money for Rad and yeah, able gamers. It's I think a little bit closer to a lot of us uh, as well, and it's gonna, it's gonna be exciting, ready to partake again and shift gears and kick rear. So make sure you turn in, guys. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome fun. If you like that sort of GDQ kind of vibe too, you get a little bit of that there as well. I'll be right up your alley also. All right. Yeah, we oh, smashed oh. we we smashed the goal last time, so let's try and smash it again this time, guys. Yep. And now the real question is, where can people see this great event, or if they could participate? Ah, definitely. If you're interested in participating, there is a community streams channel where you can sign up, and uh, we will see if we can't get you in. Uh, we've had a lot of great people sign up, and it's unfortunately not everybody's going to get the chance to participate, but we're going to let in as many people as we can, and there will be more to come, I am sure. 
All right. Yeah. So, hey, it's, it, I mean, to have too many is not necessarily a bad problem to have. It's better than not being able to get anybody to do it. So to have a bunch of people and participate, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. So let's final day we got through it uh it, it it started off i mean probably like the i guess the most hype stuff i guess is what kind of started us off today after all these like theories and predictions and us wanting to see this or what's saying that and it's like whether this is coming this year this is coming this year are we gonna see switch pro are we not gonna see switch pro zelda's gonna be coming out then this year right is it maybe not it seems like it's not no i'm just telling you it's not but does that mean the Switch Pro is coming next year? I don't know, but all I know is we're going to have to keep this conversation going, even though I'm kind of running down and hearing about this conversation. It's going to be go for at least probably another six months to another year, so I'm glad to be hearing that all over again. Uh, but <laughs> let's start off, guys. Nintendo. That was the last kind of big company conference we had. And Can we it, take it, it back it, to yesterday real quick first? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah, anybody yeah. wants yeah. to recap yesterday real fast, or any quick thoughts. All right. Dizzy, you have the floor. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I wanted to finish off what yesterday presented, but sh let me just open up my notes again. Sorry about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Man, we can professional. This guy thinks he's a professional, huh? I didn't have his notes up. No, the, the, the thing is that there were a lot of things that just popped up that really draw my attention. And one thing that people did not consider, uh, like a big presentation in this case for uh, E3, was the the racer presentation. And yeah. for me, that was the game changer for all of us. Like right now, that that small presentation, even though it was for product, made a big difference for every single gamer or people that want to get into gaming right now. Because Razer dropped a special bomb to all of us, which is the new Razer Blade 14-inch gaming laptop. It has a 3080 GTX or RTX card, which is one of the most highly sought-out cards in the market right now. The only way you can find them is mostly by scalpers or by having a friend that's a bit miner or crypto miner and he just doesn't want it and gives it to you, which is impossible either way. And it's integrated into this small little laptop, which is less than an inch of fat, fat, and you could say, or big. And it is, the, the whole card, the original 3080 RTX is way bigger than the laptop, as uh, EX13 just reminded me, because it's true, this card is huge. And it's all inside in this little itty bitty laptop for only 1800 or $1,800. And for me, that was like a big blow to my wallet. Sure, because now I gotta have a really good credit score trying to buy this thing and and have a gaming laptop that actually can run, I guess, Cyberpunk decently without crashing, or or I can play finally Flight Simulator and fly over everybody's houses and actually see the house and not have a buggy mess there. So it was really interesting. After that. They clearly presented other small products like a a THX certified monitor, which is a, a great deal if you're a good visual audio file and, and visual file that you like having every single pixel and having like the greatest experience in your 
in your visual view. The problem is to use a monitor like this, you do need a 3080 or higher card to have this the highest graphics available. So it's a two for one deal. You know, you kind of have all that. And they finally close off with the most hype product that nobody needs, but everybody's gonna get it anyway, which is the Project Hazel face mask that it was presented on CES last year and everybody fell in love with it. I, for yep. one, was more hyped for that mask than anybody, than anything else. And they, that day one. The thing is that the only problem we have with that mask right now, it's gonna be drop, it's gonna be a drop sell which if you're a, a shoe fanatic or if you're a clothing fanatic for Supreme means that every two, three months, you're suddenly gonna have a surprise, it's on sale right now, and you just gotta buy it right there and then, or if not, you're gonna miss your chance. But according to Razer, they're having a good way to notify the consumer so we can finally have this mask and have you know that amazing facial power because I would just want to live out my cyberpunk dreams, but you know, in an actual city. So right now I got to leave the island and, and go to a cyberpunk ish city. I don't know, but that was just racer for me. Racer like woke me up from the whole day. I, I, I was falling asleep because I haven't slept all day and that was just like great for me. At least that's the, the end of Saturday. And I have another one that's, that happened on Saturday, but I, I, I'm going to leave the floor open to everyone to see if you saw the racer thing, if you guys have a, a were as excited and happy for this type of thing that was a surprise for everyone. I mean, I was going to say, like, Dizzy, because, like, I would, when you, like, started talking about, like, oh, I'm going to talk about this big event and all that, and I, I was expecting you to bring up Capcom, and so I'm slightly disappointed you said that this hype no, no, was I'm Razor. Uh, hey. <laughs> I'm going by segments. I divided this by by parts because first we start with physical things, things that we can touch. Then we're gonna go into the digital landscape, the emotional landscape, which we cannot touch yet because we are not connected to this to the computer like that. Uh, I just yeah, I just uh, yeah, I didn't. I saw like the very beginning Razor thing, and they just kept talking about the laptop. But I guess I kind of deviated from it because. Since, like, I have a PC now, and I don't, like, go out enough to, like, warrant a laptop, I kind of just was, like, was only half paying attention. I was like, ah, if I'm gonna get something new, I'd rather, like, get a new PC than buy, like, a laptop, I guess. I did have a, when it comes to that mask, and I'm super hyped for that mask. Mm -hmm. I want that mask in my hand right now. Uh, but <laughs> I, I have a slight concern, because as someone who has facial hair, who has long facial hair... Uh, the mask that I have normally doesn't cover, like, you get to a certain point, the facial hair kind of goes over the mask, or, like, under the mask and stuff like that. So when I put this mask on, is it going to be a situation to where, in terms of it being beneficial, you know, to health purposes, is it is that going to be an issue in terms of getting into it? Or do I need to, or is it going to be a mask where it's like, I basically have to take my entire uh, beard and kind of put it, you know, like, in a nice knot or something like that so I can put the mask on properly? I feel like you need uh you need like that Egyptian pharaoh mask with the golden goatee thing. Yeah. Just as, as an add-on to your mask. Well, according to what has been presented, they're listening to to the feedback. There's a lot of uh, bearded consumers or, or people that are interested that have shown a slight concern for that. 
And they're saying that they're working with everything possible to ensure that the mask fits properly and all that. Currently, the mask, it kind of has the shaving type of deal, which you can buy the base mask maybe really cheap. But then since you got to change the filters every three uses, according to what they presented, it, it's going to be like just a traditional shaving uh, system, which you can get the handle for almost free, but then buying the razors or the filters in this case will be a little bit more uh, cost productive, you know, uh, a little bit more expensive. But it looked really cool. Like I, for me, I'm just like that. I, 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 my beard is a little bit more uh, short compared to Dragoonus. <laughs> but I, I also am afraid that maybe when I put it on, since it's be like so snug and so tight, maybe I'll rip off some hairs at the same time. That's the one that like I'm, I'm really scared of. <laughs> mm. so. My beard is very small. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's good. I, I'm, I'm hype. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks cool. It, it looks cool. It's yeah. fine, you know. All right. Speaking so, of hype, I'll, 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 you know. No, no, go ahead. I, I do want to take a second to talk about something that I don't think anyone else here. Verizon. Verizon opened up yesterday, and what a shocker that was. Because they, they just went off and talked about esports and gaming and, like, 5G. And it was, it was great to see. And then they dropped a bombshell at the very end that they're offering scholarships. Five scholarships to five different schools. And they're letting them go into, like, the Verizon big esports arena. And it's great for... You know, female gamers, because that was a big, that was a big centric thing for them, was focusing on female gamers, and it was great for just overall pushing the boundary of what uh, esports or esports and gaming needs to be coming forward. I thought it was really, really nice for Verizon to kind of come out at the top, just screaming and say, "Scholarships, gaming, let's push it, and make it more professional as it is right now. Let's push that boundary. Let's let's move the goalpost, as you will." Yeah, it was a really good presentation on their part because, of course, people felt like it was a really long extended ad because that's how Twitch chat feels all the time. Everything is an ad or it's really toxic. But when you look deep into it, they did present a lot of the changes that it's that they're doing and things that they're trying to help out. Verizon has been doing for a few years now. I think it's like the third year now that they're participating a lot in creating esports arena around the U.S., which is something that it was unheard of for many of us because in Latin America and in Europe, you have the cyber cafes, which they love to play esports there. That's how they have such a good team or they develop such great teams that represent in different games. And now having that type of concept applied into the United States with uh, provided with a good sponsorship in terms of a, a company that provides internet, which helps them out. And then that slight out of nowhere push that they do want people to develop and to participate in this. It's something that for me, when I was a young child, I always wanted to have that sponsorship to participate in esports and play games and be really, really good at it and be able to say like, what's your job? It's like, I beat people's asses in fighting games or in video games and, and games and games. And now it's actually happening. Now we are actually absorbing or appreciating this economy that has been denied or has been ignored for too long. Yep. Mm. But mean, after as that... Somebody, mm -hmm, yeah. As somebody who hasn't ever really gotten into esports before, the fact that esports is kind of being brought to the main stage and it's it's finally starting to pique my interest as, as a casual 
and I'm like, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to watch. I'm ready to see more, and and having it do some good on top of that, like giving giving people scholarships that might not otherwise be able to go to college, that's mm-hmm. huge. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. one of my my favorite things about being a gamer is how much gamers want to help people. Like, you go to any gaming marathon, we're all raising money for charity. And we're all trying to make the world a better place. And I think that, that when the favor is returned, when we're making, when companies are making the world better for gamers and showing people that, hey, gaming can get you somewhere, that's only going to be better for all of us. Yep. That, that's, that's the dream. That's slowly well it's becoming true. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's that that's well said. Yeah, that that was a very important thing. Uh, again, Verizon, I kind of half paid attention, but when I heard them like talking about the scholarship and everything, it's just like it's crazy. And it's like, man, to have all this stuff happen when like when I was still in college, man, that would have been like just a cool thing just to know that would have been an option. Um, it would be a godsend having that just you know come to you like you're taking your class you look to the side you see the ad saying oh join this group and you can get pay off your student loans and and have a sponsorship and you're like sure then you you go there you're playing your games like you enjoyed from before and you're actually getting paid for it that was like oh wow you know like not not this way i didn't believe this yeah that i mean that's amazing so that was verizon we also had a really, really important development for gaming, which was the Take-Two interactive panel. Mm-hmm. They did not present any game, but they did touch about a lot, a lot of different topics that gaming slowly has been fighting, has been presenting. Some of it, the traditional toxicity. Some people are really uh, homophobic or racist, and they did touch on how different pre- representations of people of color, of different ge- uh, genders, and and sexist and everything can actually help out people to identify this topic even though it was mostly touched on saturday was a really uh, like i believe it was an hour long if i'm not mistaken the good like discussion of everything that went on we also had it today on sunday touch again but mostly focus on people of color in the african-american community so we're, we're saying that uh, representation does matter and take two to present the big you know like oh my god it's gonna be grand theft auto 6 or something like that they did say over and over once again to establish the point that this is something to present how to get better at the community at developing games and developing all this and it was real for me it felt it was heartfelt this is this e3 went straight to my heart because there was a lot of representations and different type of concepts they presented people with disabilities they presented people with mental issues they presented people of color they presented uh, diabetics and, and and two indie games that i found out later that were you know specifically made for people that had diabetes and things like that so they they tried to touch every single concept but it was in the indie developmental way not from a triple a studio that people are used to and that's why many people that feel that this E3 was weak, it was lacking, and they just missed out all the good points that, that was presented in this E3. Uh, yeah, and to back off that too, like uh, like you said, all those things were good and important discussions to have, and I mean, you know, the, the whole E3 chat the whole time was pretty bad, to pretty much all four days all in a row, but just the... Uh, to still see that when these discussions are happening and they're, you know, 
to everybody to have that attitude of just like, we don't want to see this, we're tired of seeing this, and games and stuff like that, but the thing is, it's like until, if you're sick and tired of seeing it, then the, do something about it, so, you know, because they don't want to keep having these discussions over and over again either, we're all tired of hearing about it, but this is an important issue and it needs to be heard, and, mm -hmm. and and hopefully what I'm hoping is, like, especially with like a G4 or something like that, that we can take a bigger percentage of that group that didn't pay attention or didn't care or were spamming or whatever and get them to pay attention to those discussions more. That's what I'm hoping mm -hmm. something like a G4 and something like that can do because it was important, but it was still kind of sad to see just mm -hmm. plain negative, bad attitude towards it all and like just simple lack of not caring and paying attention because they all mm -hmm. want about the games and all that. And it's it was cool that there was as much a show so we can have these discussions, but that it wasn't taken into consideration a lot of people was still mm -hmm. it was kinda sad and I'm hopefully we can have a turnaround here, uh, sooner and later and get more people to actually pay attention and take seriously mm -hmm. these discussions. Yeah. yeah. I think like one thing that I love about games, and it is something similar that I love about theater, is that games allow you to embody embody somebody's experience as opposed to i'm never gonna know what it's like you know to have to have wilden's experience or to have dizzy's experience or have dragoon's experience or pepperoni's experience but if they make a game and i play it i get a little taste of what they're going through i mean tell you know, me like, why is I like can... a good example of that that maybe a little bit life is strange you know mm -hmm. as like like yeah. tell me why yeah. i've i'm not you know i had I first met my first transgender sort of friend in college and, you know, and they, and he would kind of tell me what it was like and I'd learn things and all that. But again, to have a game where I'm playing a transgender character just gave me just the tiniest bit of insight to maybe think about things a little bit differently or think things from about their point of view even more than I did before. So I'm glad you brought that up, Cammie. Yeah, and I, I mean, just having more diversity in video games as far as the people that are making them. Mm -hmm. We're going to get to have so many more stories and so many more experiences that we might otherwise never get to have. All right. Mm -hmm. So besides this panel, now we're going to focus on mostly the games and the things that got revealed in this. In television, their great old company that was technically the Atari's main competitor is still back, baby. And now with its new president, Tommy Tallarico, they're presented the Amico. They actually showed up as the whole cons uh, concept of the uh, console. It is a really family-friendly console, and all digital games will cost less than $10. So it's a cheap console, to say the least, and uh, compared to the new modern industry, which we're paying $70 or $60 for a game. And it's re restricted to mostly e for everyone games. This means there's no blood, gore, violence, sexual content in the games. They also prevent uh, season pass and microtransactions, which means this is a console to play with the family, with friends, and everyone. Up to eight players can play at the same time. They, they reveal a little bit more information about the console, but the most important part for us uh, Earthworm Gym fanatics, they are offering three original lithographs from the art for this game signed by the whole studio team if you email groovy as the subject 
to cal at intellivision.com. So it's a free giveaway for lithography from the game. So it's art straight from the game that's going to be there and everything. And it was a, a like something nice. It was the only console presented on E3 as a whole. And it was a really nice looking console. But again, you know, the uh, nowadays we're waiting for big gaming things, you know, something uh, like a in little small console may not be for everyone, but I do believe this console has a long lasting life for family and and friends that wants to you know just want to have something small to play together yeah uh to back off that too because i know because you know i've i pay attention to a lot of electric playground and from what vic was talking and what tommy's talking like it's the impression that what he's doing it differently and he's even he even says in presentation like he he's going about this not as a competitor but as something that's supplementary to everything else like there he's you know it seems like he's planning to sell it not in just game stores or to a gaming audience, but to have it at every, like, kind of casual store that's available for people who aren't in the games all that much, to have, like, a widespread sort of appeal to it, and people can pick it up. And I believe, Dizzy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they need to say, too, one of the things was that, like, if somebody has somebody has one, and then a friend brings theirs over, they could play the games that the other person has... Oh, you! If you bring one of your controllers or your console controllers, and bring it over to a friend's, the library is shared instantly between both of everybody that's there. That's Once you take cool. out your controller and you take it somewhere else, they lose access to your side of the library and vice versa. I mean, that for to sell like a thing like that, bringing family and stuff together. I mean, that's that's kind of a pretty cool concept, I think. Mm -hmm. This is a console that I would recommend everyone to look at it and see how it plays out because the controller is really, really fun. It looks really, really nice. And during the video, it did show that you can use your smartphone to add it as controller so you don't have to buy six extra controllers because the console brings two controllers. You need only to have six smartphones or six friends with smartphones to play in this. And it looked really nice. Like for me, I would actually try to find the purple version of a GameStop, which is a GameStop exclusive. But the problem is Puerto Rico doesn't have a GameStop since 2016. So that would mean I have to travel or ask one of you to buy it for me and then send it over here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I see. I see what you're trying to do there. The I see. Uh, hey. So uh, is there anything else from uh, yesterday okay. as well? So... We had the, the, I'm not sure if this is a nightmare or what, what is going on here, but Mythical Games presents the first crypto game in a way, which it's a Roblox inspired way of game where you have, you collect figures called, uh, Bloc, uh, which I forgot the name. Well, it was, uh, Blanco, uh, Blancos, Blancos. Yeah. Blancos block party. Blancos, the thing is, Blanco is white in Spanish. So I'm just thinking, like, white block party? Why is it white? You know, it doesn't work that way. But it's Blanco's block party, which are, like, vinyl, digital vinyl figures that you can use to do different quests and modify them and all that. But each figure or each, each unique avatar that you find inside the game or you buy is an NFT. For those that like crypto mining, they would understand 
but for those that don't understand, it's a non non according to Devolver, it's non fuckable uh, tape. But it's I'm something sure. that's unique. It's pretty much unique for for you. Like nobody else will have it. You can trade it. You can sell it forward, like a Funko Pop, if you might say. And it was really interesting the concept. The only problem is that for gamers that like to play a lot of games or things like that, it, it require a lot of investment in terms of time to find all the things. And it got kind of weird. It reminded me of the Diablo 3 auction house on PC, which got to a point that it was almost uh, investigated by the Security Exchange Commission because it was that bad. But I don't know. It was it, it felt a little bit out of place. But it was it, it was a a nice showing of the, the the how deep the game was, how everything was unique and all that. And I, I don't know. For, for me, it was one of those like it was really weird. For me, it was left out of left field. But it was interesting the concept because now we are seeing how the crypto mining craze, the NFT craze, can slowly be integrated into video games and be developed in a whole platform for everyone to enjoy. Currently, the game is only limited to PC. It's on early access, but you have to go straight through their website. It's not available on Steam or Epic or anything like that. So that kind of raises some flags in ter terms of the security some people would have with it. Hmm. Yeah, it's inter it's interesting. Like I mm. I tried signed up for it to get the thing, but I haven't like touched the game. Or I don't know if I really ever will, to be honest. But I was uh, like, all right, I'll, I'll just, I'll do it just to, like, claim the thing. But I, I might, like, yeah, I don't even know yeah. if I'm going to really mess around with it or anything. Okay. Um, so, what you got then we, we have the Indie Showcase, which it was, like, nice presentations of different indie games that are really, really fun. Again, a small little segment of almost half an hour, similar to what we have seen before in other days. And they did present a lot of games that, again, I added a few to my wish list thanks to this. One of them was Bark, Bio Interstellar Arc, which are pretty much four dogs trying to save their pet owner. It's a shoot them up, and it was really, it was really cute and all that. We also had the presentation of Neko Ghost Jump. It's a platformer, but has the the weird transition from 2D to 3D. And it could be a kind of disorienting for some uh, some players, but it was so good. It looks so much fun. So hopefully, when it comes out, we can get that. And I, the, will, uh, I, I can mm -hmm. say I actually have played. I actually had a demo of uh, Nico, Nico Ghost Jump. It is super fun to play. Like you oh. don't like like the 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 going from two D to three D. It's not as jarring as you would think, but it's seriously a super fun game for me to play. Well, that's good to hear because that was kind of like yeah. that. That was one of the games that did pique my interest as well. Was that one? All right. And finally, one of the last games shown in the indie showcase, which for me just made me start laughing like a madman, it was none other than Koromon, a literally Pokemon looking game that's available on Switch and on PC. And it looks amazing. It looks. It has bigger uh, puzzles to solve. It has the concept of of having to capture and level up different type of creatures or koromons in this case. And it looked really, really nice. And that was all only in the indie showcase. Then 
we had what I think Draguna and I had like a like a, a mental connection moment. Freedom Games. For us, I think this was one of the best presentations of the day. Yeah, this was great. Yeah, yeah wait, wait, they, what did they show at this? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what they showed. I'm trying to find the link in in Steam right now of the specific games that they present. Yeah, because for... it might be I might recognize it if I see. It. I'll be like, oh yeah, that Dark Deity. Yep. Hmm. If memory serves me correct, that is a tactical RPG. Yep. We we, yeah. we okay. So so the games that we had presented in the Freedom Games Showcase were Dreamscaper, Airborne Kingdoms. Coromon 2. Oh, wait, Coromon was from Freedom also, so I, I did jump one. My bad. Cat Cafe Manager, To The Rescue, Slaughter League, and Kushard, and Dark Diary. And, and One Lonely Outpost 2. So those were the games that presented. In here, the game that at least stood out for me, too, was To The Rescue, which is a dog shelter simulator that every uh, $20 that, is, uh, that the game gets is donated to a dog shelter so uh, close to where you at or where you live. So it uses a little bit of the uh, geocaching for getting the game onwards. And it was really, really cute, in that's, my opinion. That's cool. One that stood out for me was definitely Slaughter League. It definitely looks like one of those branch games that like Among Us and like Fall Guys, when it comes out at the right time, it's going to be one of those things that everyone's going to like jump onto, and it has that very kind of multiplayer. You but know. sir, but sir, <laughs> Slaughter League should have a add-on called Ninja Water and be sponsored on a show named G Four. I think. Yeah, that's no, nice. oh, that's, that sounds like an idea. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Hire me, G Four. I got you. Anyways. Uh, and then finally, to end the day, uh, the last... I want to talk about one from that showcase myself. Sure. <laughs> Go ahead, Cammy. Right. Yeah. Um, Dark Deity is definitely the one that stood out for me. The art style is gorgeous. I, I love a good tactics-based RPG. I, I'm I'm so down for this. I'm I'm excited. We've we've been starting to see the tactics RPGs coming back into into style. So yay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing that for many tactical RPG fans is that we you finally have more than two games out. Before you only had one game per year. Now we're getting like two dozen, so we're getting like twenty-four or thirty games of tactical RPGs out, and it, that's a really good motivation for those tactical RPGs. Yep. And the final game conference that we had for today was Capcom, and for the surprise of many. It was shorter than people expected, but it was just good. It was sweet in terms of how short it was. They confirmed that there was DLC working now for Resident Evil 8, which is, has been one of the greatest Resident Evil games to come out, Resident Evil Village. They confirmed more downloadable and at least confirmed the date for Monster Hunter Rise, no, and Monster Hunter Stories 2, and uh, the crossover event with Rise on the Switch. Sadly, our uh, PC players will have to wait a little bit more for Monster Hunter Rise on PC. So, Kami and I, are, we're going to wait a little bit more for that. Hmm. And 
uh, they presented a lot of the great Ace Detective. So if you like Phoenix Wright, the best visual novel ever to come out to to the West, or oh wait, to the East, and we finally get that game that motivated us to love visual novels, you're going to have a special treat with this type of games. I love it already. I already have it on my wish list. I, I, I wish I could buy it right now, but I can't because it doesn't allow me to, but we're going to stream that game and all that. And finally, they give a preview of the Capcom Pro Tour for 2021. For those who don't know, the Capcom Pro Tour is the E-League or the professional league that Capcom has developed over the years for people to play Street Fighter V in this case and try to bash it out for a 50, uh, 500, yeah, $500,000 prize pool at the finals. But for every region, they're doing 5000 it's really interesting because slowly as the world is getting healthier, more people are getting vaccinated and uh, in-people events are going to be made, the event can finally be done again, once again. And for me, it was really hype because I saw a lot of faces of local people that I have seen. So some local players from Puerto Rico, some of our Dominican Republic players that they won one year the Capcom Pro Tour, MENA. And it was, you know, like so glad to see people that you have shared with and you, 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 you know, being represented in this stage, in this case, in E3, it was amazing. And clearly it, it was just a free promotion to get into the Capcom esports section. So everybody that's taking a, a slight dip or want to see like high level Street Fighter, this is the, this was the promotion for you. And that was pretty much Monday, June 14 for E3. Okay. Uh, just remind, I, but I, I have to say this, and I'm sorry, Dizzy, you're going to hate me here, mm -hmm. but I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum you are with Capcom. I think a big part of it is that a lot of it had stuff that appealed to you. I mean, I'm, I still haven't played Ace Attorney yet, but it's on my list. But, like, as far as, like, what Capcom had, I thought, like, the production of it and the way they did it was cool, but nothing in there it was it was kind of boring to me to be honest i felt like there was too mm -hmm. much time spent on ace attorney game i could feel it dragging the resident evil like oh we're making dlc i mean i i figured a lot of people assumed they were gonna make it anyway and there wasn't really a point especially when they made dlc for the last one too and you know I, it's fine to announce like a resident evil 4 remake or stuff or anything like that but i mean again it's cool that they have the Capcom and, you know, and representation and people local and stuff. That's cool and everything. But as far as, like, content appealing to me, Capcom was kind of just a bit of a snooze fest to me. And I just felt like it was kind of a waste of my time, to be honest. I, I hate to be so negative and things about that. Like I said, it's produced fairly well, but it's just for me, there was nothing about that happened in that Capcom thing that just appealed to me at all really whatsoever nice thing is is they were up front about what it was going to be like they announced everything up front and they said expectations right up front mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that's the one yeah. good thing they did do yes they did that's the one thing that this e3 has been really uh, straightforward presenting like this is what it's gonna be talked about or this is mm -hmm. the topic and Sometimes people just bat, bat an eye and ignore it and look to the side and they just ignore completely what was going on. Yeah. But for me, it was rather interesting because it re represented clearly that 
maybe they didn't have enough content to be a half an hour block. Maybe they, if with a 15 minute block, it would be much better sometimes, you know, that, that's uh, how you manage the time. But it gave spotlight to things that people are not used to. You're not used to having your big company suddenly talking about their esports league that they're, they have developing, unless you're Blizzard or Activision. Because Ubisoft here could have gone through on Saturday saying, hey guys, you do know we have a professional league for Rainbow Six Siege, right? And people will say like, oh no, this is boring. And it was interesting that they're actually giving a push. They're giving a little bit of love to the esports community. Because just early in the day, just like Draguna mentioned, we had Verizon saying that they're working to help, you know, esports develop. They're helping all this develop. And now you're getting a inside look into the people that are working there, into the things that are going on for all this. Uh, clearly, you know, everybody thought like, oh, if you have no games, don't present it, which is a clear valid point. But you gotta know that these companies are doing everything that they have in their, in their power to develop things. And they also have a esports side that people love and participate and their livelihood depend on this, that they need that extra push. They need maybe the extra viewership. They need all the, all this power to get in that higher stage. And for me, it felt just right. Like the, after the mythical games that it really got me confused and uh, a part of how everything worked out, everything just felt like, a, like going down the water slide like in space a splash mountain you know when you go down the drop that everything splashes and then you're like okay it's a nice little ride back to the start of the ride it felt just like that like everything just happened and then you're like hmm we're all well humid wet dry or whatever depending on where you sat on the boat and it ended on a rather positive note it didn't give you that oh well you know it's over it's gonna die now no it was it was just right in the like in the fields and in, in the in, in the hobby and everything that you have done, it's just right. It felt just right for me. Oh uh, no, I mean that's good. As long you know, as long as like it feels good. I I guess it goes over with, and I guess this could be a discussion we have uh, in a little bit about like E three overall. But I think it's just it was one of there was a few presentations like where I watched it where. I get it. E three is not what what it was, but when you have like E three, which is still somewhat seen like as a big major event, there's presentations that I feel like you should have for E three, and then there's presentations that I feel like you should have like on your own and somewhere else. And I just don't know if this Capcom one, not saying that presentation itself was bad, but just that what they chose to focus on for E three, which is a big general everybody kind of watches to like i felt like this was more geared to a specific audience that was like kind of already into this content i guess and there's a couple presentations where i felt that and just for me this is what i kind of felt like i'm sitting here watching it's like this would have been great if they just did it either or like made a you know like a certain quick blog post on her twitter or something or they put like a video on their youtube but not have it for E3, kind of, is what I'm so, thinking a little bit. So what what I, what I'm thinking, though, is if, if you look at it, like, Capcom is majorly a Japanese company, and I know I've harped on this before, but 
Japan really got hit by the COVID virus. Like, mm-hmm. they just got shut down. And I would say the two of the weaker press conferences have been, like, Capcom and uh, Square. Right. I think yeah, those... I and I think that those two companies, A, they focus on massive games. Like, they don't focus on short games that they can turn around really quickly. They typically focus on the uh, the long-form RPGs. And those take considerable more time to get a, a working product out. Mm-hmm. I so, guess... I mean, I see what you're saying. It makes sense they would be weaker this year and i would even go as far to say they might be weaker next year as well and that's not taken into consideration that there is a hidden uh, block of presentation that we shall not talk for this uh, uh podcast unless you know we got patreons i guess because that's a secret podcast <laughs> that we're gonna do later yeah, on. i know i'd rather skip that one yeah. But, uh <laughs> yeah but I, I guess my only counter argument to that would be I, I see I definitely see what you're saying and I'm I, I partially you're, you're definitely right I guess it's just I would be fully agreeing with you if Nintendo's was as good as it was and that's oh, also I... in Japan they they yeah they have specific they don't make multi-platform stuff but they, they have their games that are a little bit longer there's a couple you know titles that or not gonna be a couple hours long, and they're some are just as long as some of these other games are here or there, and I just feel like if Nintendo didn't do as well, then I fully agree with you in that sense, but only partially. Let, let agree. me explain. Let me explain why 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 I think you'll agree with me after I explain this. The difference is, Nintendo is a console manufacturer that's also relying on multiple companies. Whereas, whereas Capcom and Square are singular companies that make games. Nintendo can be backed up by five or six different companies. So even if they had a leaner year, if they get one, one game out of each company, they've still got six games to show off. A lot of their stuff wasn't necessarily made in-house. Yeah, but mm. I mean, isn't the thing though that like... And then again, I didn't have a Switch during this time last year, but the impression I got from last year, and maybe even maybe towards the end of 2019, but more in the last year, was that, you know, like pre pandemic games that, you know, they were working on and stuff, games that weren't affected by a pandemic, it was still kind of a slow year. Like, it, it, like there were, it was either 2020 or 2019 where they had. A really slow year enough that was a noticeable slower year than other years for nintendo and i just that's just me hearing it from other people that there was like one particular year where it was noticeably like it didn't feel like anything was really going on all that much there was a couple things but not as much as they usually have oh technically i think i think nintendo's pretty well maintained um you have to also recognize that nintendo has offices all around the world so when when Japan got hit, Nintendo shifted a lot of their production to the U.S. That's true. And that's uh, true. a lot of that did did happen. That's not something that a, a, a game production company can necessarily do. Because most of uh, the stuff for Capcom that's stateside is either farmed out to other companies to translate and things like that. But they're not, they're not here to program things. Nintendo actually has 
programmers that are out of the country. That's true, and Square yeah. also has places here, so even though the presentation wasn't as hot, it, so mm-hmm. I, I can see what you're saying. That's yeah, and it's true. And taking into consideration, that was mostly Monday, and for today, June 15, a lot of people fell in love with the Nintendo Direct. People thought it would be the clear E3 winner, and it, it's you know back and forth with the whole console war almost there again but not completely and for me nintendo didn't feel that strong but that's my opinion and it 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 felt that we're getting the same games from before again again i mean well yeah that's what that's what nintendo does have to dag on time though you know i mean that's they what they do is they re-release the same game eight thousand times and then people still buy it for $60 every single time, and then they want to complain about, like, paying sit I'm like, well, let's stop buying the Dagobah. I'm going to buy it, you know. <sighs> but before that, I know that Draguna has a really hot stream that he saw. It, you could say it was a limited run stream, I think. <laughs> oh, I, I want to yeah, you know know a little bit more about this, sir? Oh, man, limited run games, they, they always drop. I, I don't remember... Every single game. Well, the thing about Limited Run also is a lot of the games that they showcased are games that are going to be released on console through their system. So it's, they're all games that um, we we know, you know, there are no new games. But it's like, oh, they're getting a limited console release. I know there was a big Castlevania push. Uh, there was also a big Shantae push. There was also a big push for, um, uh, I think, Scott Pilgrim as well in that particular thing. Uh, I loved how Limited Run... Also presented uh, a game that was never fully put in America, which was Castlevania Rondo of Blood. And they said it was going to be on the Turbo, Turbo Graphics 16. Completely, officially uh, officially translated and everything like that. Uh, so a lot of that was a lot of compilation. But what Limited Run did really well was their Sage production. Limited Run definitely tr- has that same kind of concept with Devolver Media in the sense of they're going to do parodies of everything that happens. But this this one felt really, really, really good uh, in terms of, you know, their production. They knew exactly when the bits should end, when they need to cut off the bits. It's really worth watching because the whole show is just a hilarious ride. And that's that's basically, it. I, I, you know, nothing new, nothing over the top that really deserved it. Um, they did release at the very, very end. They're making a, a remaster, I think, console release of uh, Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. And if you know anything about that game, that's um, freaking hilarious. Yeah, if you know anything about that game, that's a game that um, you don't want to play in public. Oh no, that that's <laughs> not a that's not a Twitch friendly game. No, oh, no, oh no, oh okay. Well, I I appreciate the heads up then. That's good. Oh, I don't know. Do I want to play it though? Then <laughs> that's just, that's just but not... seriously, if you get a chance to watch the limited run, it was only about a, it was only about thirty three minutes. But the bits they had, uh, all the stuff they do is is 100% on point. <laughs> oh, that's awesome to hear. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I was completely out of the loop on that one, apparently. Uh, that's cool. That's Yeah, that's right. Right up your alley. Uh, so, I, okay, so then we're ready to get to, I guess, Nintendo now. Uh, the opening of today. Uh, well, I'm just going to go around here. Uh, I'll, I'll go last like usual. Cammy. Uh, what stuck out to you from Nintendo? I'm getting Monkey Ball, and I, I'm I'm so super happy about that. Like, 
I love the monkey ball games. If you've never gotten a chance to play them, they're just so much fun. And they are super wholesome games. And they make you feel like a speedrunner even when you're not. Because you will do something weird and get an instant win. And you'll have no idea how you did it. And it'll just be the greatest moment of your life. Also, if you get the chance to watch a speedrun of Monkey Ball, uh, there almost always is at least one run of a Monkey Ball game at any of the GDQ events. I don't know if there is one for SGDQ coming up uh, next I month. I do not believe so. Hmm. But you definitely, if you see that on the schedule, do not miss it. Those are always fun. Um, also, Tactics Advance is getting a remake. And I'm I'm here for that one too. I love yeah, those Game games. Game Boy Advance is coming back again. Yeah, that's that that <laughs> and that's the thing. I'll get to it. But this this was definitely a presentation of like, oh crap! I didn't see that one coming a couple times. We're like, oh wow, okay, all right, they're doing this. Uh, pepperoni. Was there anything in Nintendo that appealed to you? Uh, I really like that new WarioWare game, man. Hmm. I did not expect a new WarioWare game at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. And, like, it's two players now and stuff like that. I know I haven't really, again, I haven't had a console for so long, so I haven't really gotten a chance to really play a WarioWare game. But I know, like, people really like those games. And that's awesome. Uh, there's anything else? Or is Wario the kind of main thing that got you? Uh, no, there's just more. Um, the... Danganronpa Decadence Collection. Oh my god, I can finally play Danganronpa. Yeah, I haven't played them either, so I, I, I feel that. My only problem, it does not have Ultra Despair Girls. I don't think it would pass the censors for Nintendo. I mean, yeah, but like... Actually, no, that's a fair point. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to think it's like it's on PS4. But I could also just like look up a walkthrough of it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I could probably just do that. And um, the fact that they're expanding uh, mode from one of the previous uh, previous games into its own game is kind of cool. It's like mm -hmm. a new Danganronpa mixed in with the other ones, kind of. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you probably could have just like made a game for like the Danganronpa Zero novels. Maybe. I, I don't, I'm not big into Danganronpa, so I don't really know yeah. what you could have used <laughs> as the basis for a new game. Well, <laughs> you don't know yet. <laughs> Always, oh, enough, every time we yeah, do something yeah, that Disney yeah, like, yeah. really is like, oh, you will, and when you do, no, no, I'll no, be for, there. <laughs> no, no, for me, I still haven't gotten into Danganronpa. It's, it's there in my wish list to buy it one day. But for now, uh, it's it's out of the reach because sometimes you just gotta be cheap, you know. You gotta wait for those summer sell and buy all the games at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> no, I feel you. Yeah. Rise yeah. to come out on PC. That's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, there's yeah, it's, yeah, it's same here. It's part of that certain group of games where I've like I've had it in the list for a very long time and just never pulled the trigger. Uh, pepperoni, you got what else? Um, Breath of the Wild two gameplay finally and still no title mm. like i i understand that that game is still a ways out but like a title a title would have been nice but 
I think what we got was a little. What we got was, I think, enough to tide people over for a while. I'm really hoping it's Breath of the Wild 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I saw a really good one where it was like Breath of Evil or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Because, uh... like. <laughs> I, I, I noticed this <laughs> earlier today. I love how the direct started with Ganondorf dying and ended with Ganondorf reviving himself from the dead and lifting Hyrule Castle. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is an interesting bookend there. I didn't think about that, which but yeah. Which brings me to my next point, Kazuya Mashima in Smash. My boy, Tekken! Dude, that 10-hit combo during that moves portion of the, of the video... Wow, dude, that Ted hit combo was spicy. And we got our new Nintendo meme. We got our new meme. Yes, yes. <laughs> Him holding Kirby over the volcano. Just throwing everybody over, and then we've already we've already had it. Everybody's doing it already. Uh, it's great. I love it. I love that. Like, it was yeah, almost man. like a bait and switch. Like they purposely made it so people were like, "Oh, is this friend?" And they're like, "Oh no!" And they're like, "Oh, oh, okay." <laughs> Yeah, there were there were a lot of good um, indie slash more lower tier titles that I saw too, like um, a new Fatal Frame. Um, what else? Um, um, Two Point Campus for whoever was a fan of Two Point Country. Cammy, Cammy. Oh yeah. <laughs> mhm. Mm yeah, if so anything else, Cammy definitely of... probably won the most A3 this year for getting a two-point campus at almost every convention or yep. presentation also. Yeah, it's it's almost the most reoccurring game, but not, not <laughs> quite. It, it beat out Sable. <laughs> <laughs> Disney's like, I didn't think it would happen, but daggone it, they did it. They beat me to it. We got more from we got more Bamco from the direct than we did the actual Bamco presentation, but we'll touch on that. We'll we'll touch on that if we decide to touch on Bamco. Mm. Okay, okay. Uh... Um, and lastly, I want to talk about Metroid Dread. Oh God, yeah, mm. yeah. So, from what I gathered. Apparently, Metroid Dread was in development for a long time, mm -hmm. fell into development hell, was temporarily canceled, but I guess, as announced today, has been worked on by another studio for a while and is releasing this year. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. Like, it was an old game that got announced, like, a long time ago, and then it just kept getting delayed, delayed, and then, like... People kind of assumed it was never going to be a thing and kind of forgot about it. And then it just showed up out of the blue and everybody's like, whoa, okay, all right, here we go. Yeah, Stop I saw it. Metroid 5 and they, say, they dangled Prime 4 in front of our faces again. But then they brought up Metroid 5 and I like to see that that announcement is on the same level as when they announced Prime 4, that that's probably really good for Metroid fans, I imagine. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I heard a lot of people Metroid. wanted a 2D Metroid. They were hoping for one, too, at, at least. So, like, in addition to Metroid Prime, they're like, we want a new Metroid old school, please. And, uh, oh, and, and one that I forgot, but I, I want you guys to all play with me, so mm -hmm. everybody's going to have to get it, is the uh, the new Mario Party game. Coming oh, yeah, with the built-in multiplayer. 
Yeah, and mm-hmm. also it is all controller-based, so no motion controls. Finally. I thought it was going to so be happy. like... At first, I thought it was going to be like a map DLC pack for Super Mario Party at first. Mm-hmm. But then I saw that it was its own game, and it's, I was just like, oh, um, okay. Mm-hmm. It has, Easily could have been DLC for Super Mario Party, but that's the well, direction no, you went the for. Reason, no, that's the reason okay. they didn't make it DLC... That the reason they didn't make a DLC is they made it compatible with the Switch Lights, so it yep. has none yeah. of the motion control games. Because mm. you yeah. can't play Mario Party on a Switch Lite unless you hook a Joy-Con to it. I, I do. Right. Yeah, All that's right. true. That's true. Uh, yep. it, is, is that? And you said that was your last thing, pepperoni. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I want to try out Metroid Prime. I Prime Four. I mean, I do want to see what that has to go on about, but I think I want to try out Metroid Dread. It looks like it's a, a really interesting direction for Metroid. I I don't know what I have to necessarily, like, do my research on to get into Prime or Metroid and what the story has been up to that point, but Dread definitely looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I definitely want to give it a try when it comes out. Draguna, are you uh, into the Metroid at all? You know, me being a speedrunner, you'd think I would say, oh, yeah, totally. I'm all about Metroid. But in reality, I'm, I've am i never really touched any of the Metroid series. I, I've, I, I, own Pri- I, I own Prime 1. I own Prime 2. I own a lot of Metroid games. They just, the appeal of, like, Metroidvanias and the appeal of the first-person stuff never really got to me. As evidence, when the last time we did a charity event and I did Ori in the Blind Forest, randomizer, and I, I think I got point one percent into it in the what two hours that we were streaming it. <laughs> yeah, they were the most, they were the most entertaining point five percent I've ever experienced. <laughs> Man, yeah, what mm-hmm. what a dedication that was! Holy bananas. Um, yeah, I feel you too. I'm in agreement with you on the Metroid thing. It never really jumped out of me like if i were to try one i would try like i would probably start with prime and that would probably be the one excuse me oh good lord uh that would probably be the one i would start with because that's more my cup of tea because i'm not a big a platform guy or anything and i know it, it keeps seeming to that there may or may not be that you know metroid prime trilogy remastered that they may be just holding that off and it's been done for a while that's a thing i keep hearing a lot of for a while now uh so maybe that'd be a time to hop into it uh is there anything special from nintendo that did appeal to you a little bit more more closer to your heart um i think you skipped dizzy but i'll go with it um <laughs> oh no no i'm saving him for last because uh, he you know I, i'm giving him a break he was going on for a minute okay. there, so i'm just letting him rest for a minute shin megami tensei 5 that's oh, my yes. pick mm. shin megami tensei 5 i i like being the rpg person that i you know loves persona loves the s loves uh the smt series i'm one of the few that i know that owns that crossover game that was released in the wii u which i always mm-hmm. tend to forget about uh, the title always seems to forget, you know, but I like I loved the concept of that, and that got me into the Shin Megami Tensei series. The gameplay looks fantastic. It looks very futuristic. I can't wait to see what's going to be a part of it, you know, and it's, it's going to be one of those games that I'm just going to spend, I don't know how many hours playing it over and over and over again. 
Right, do we need to get you a fan too and fan you off as you're talking? Because I don't want you to get overworked up. <laughs> like, what's two from GameSpot? No, 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 Good no, no, lord. No. We're, we're saving that. We're saving that for a game we're going to talk about later. Oh, okay, okay. I'll make sure to have the fan at the right. I'll, I'll just. Well, I would say I would blow into the mic. That's probably not a good idea. So I'll just. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, is, is that your main thing? Is there anything else that jumped out at you? That has not been discussed. That would be the main thing. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Again, I've never played. I've only played part of Persona 4. I might try Persona 5 at some point. I never hopped into Shin Megami ones. I know they just re-released one of them. Maybe I'll try one out at some point. Uh, Dizzy seems to maybe be into that as well. What about Nintendo, Dizzy? Did you like? So, of all the things that you would expect, you would not expect starting the day throwing people off a volcano, make <laughs> burning them in a volcano, and seeing Kashu, Kasuya Mishima finally joining the final ro part of the final roster for Smash Ultimate. And having that Street Fighter cross tech and tag battle again just, you know, brought so many dreams and it was so hype. I, I, I really do enjoy it. Clearly, I'm going to wait it out for the next one when it comes to uh, the next Nintendo Direct 4 Smash in particular. Uh, just like Kami, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. That was amazing. Uh, that was a really wacky game. It was really fun. It, it it showed physics, something that people forget, that physics is something that games have, and it was really fun. And the one of the games that really surprised me that they're bringing back is the Cruisin franchise, and they're doing Cruisin Blast. It's an arcade racer that people pretty much forgot, but it, it's coming back again for for the... For the Switch, and I was surprised. I didn't expect this type of racing game once again. Uh, everything else has been said, you know, Shin Megami Tensei, uh, WarioWare, uh, Metroid Dread, that it reminds me a little bit of Alien Isolation, because it you have the robot chasing you all the time and you gotta avoid it, so it's, it, it's gonna be fun doing the back and forth of jumping all over the place. And just like EX13 said in the chat that it was something that we did not, uh, that I did not expect to have on the Switch in particular, was Fatal Frame Maiden of Black, off Black Water. Mm. Because it's a horror game that, if you think of all, everything that has been announced, we had a few horror games, but nothing as concrete or the traditional uh, series that we used to have, like Resident Evil, we just have a DLC coming forward. Uh, Nothing on, on Silent Hill, which is another disappearing act in A3. But we did get Fatal Frame, a, a series that many people thought would be, you know, dead or, or hidden from everyone else because it's just a ghost. It disappeared. But no, it's coming back on Switch. And that, that sounded and looked really good for me. And one thing that I, I got surprised that many Legend of Soda fans didn't get hyped for was for the DLC on Age of Calamity. It adds more to the story to understand what is going on for Breath of the Wild. And probably the second uh, Breath of the Wild will be like Breath of the Volcano because everybody's getting thrown into a volcano as we started that direct and Ganondorf just took Hyrule and was going to throw it off a volcano too, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> that was like for me, like it was interesting. Oh, 
Oh, cool. Yeah, um, for me... Well, it's weird, because even though I think this is... Well, right, we'll get, we could go rankings of conferences, but since I was, this is the better one, again, I'm just starting to get back into the Nintendo stuff, and there wasn't, like, one game in particular where I was, like, super jumped or hyped about, but I was interested in, yeah, like, having Fatal Frame coming back, maybe actually trying Super Monkey Ball, because I never really tried it, even though I really have bad hand coordination, but I would give it a try, uh... <laughs> You know, again, I haven't bought Super Smash Brothers yet, and I keep going back and forth on it, but when you have my boy from Tekken there, I don't know that might tip the scales. Uh, I gotta play First Breath of the Wild first to tell you how I feel about 2. Uh, so, you know, and then the Metroid thing, again, I've never tried it, but to, to know that they have made this, I think it's exciting, and I know that people wanted it, and to see people... That exciting go, oh my gosh, they're bringing this back. Oh my gosh, they're bringing Advanced Wars back. I can't believe this. Again, I never played it, but I mm -hmm. knew friends in college that played it on, like, DS and, you know, praising it and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, so there, there wasn't much of that, but I guess the other, and I have to mention this too, because I do fit in this category. Having just recently played both of the games, it was a little just still no Bayonetta 3. I mean, I know, I know there were certain other people that were very upset by it, but me too. But again, it's like it's been a few years, and and you know this would have been a good place to kind of put it too. And you got like nothing on it whatsoever. Was a little kind of like, oh, I was more disappointed that than them like announcing a new Switch Pro, really. You know, I I'm a I'm a huge Bayonetta fan. Uh, I love the series, and I I was I was a little disappointed that we didn't get Bayo three, but also. It made sense only because Platinum Games kind of like a, maybe about a month or two ago kind of did leak out and they're like, yeah, that trailer doesn't exist anymore. You know, and there was definitely mm -hmm. a vibe of they're either going to completely revamp first uh, Bayo 3 from the trailer and start completely from scratch or it's it, it's on an indefinite hold. And that's the latter is what I'm thinking right now is it's on an indefinite hold and they're focusing on a lot of other stuff right now. Uh, especially with the pandemic that is slowly ending, I think Bayonetta just got pushed back. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on that one. I think that's probably what's going on too. It's definitely plausible. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, that's that's what I'm gonna say. I think that makes the most sense. Platinum hasn't really been doing uh, a lot of the pandemic, really. Yeah. It has been working on Babylon's Fall that got presented on Square Enix uh, showcase. It, it it's been working on I think it worked on the near replicant. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, so doing a lot. Recently. They've been they've been like you could say overextended over many projects and and sometimes you gotta just cool down. You know, have a year of break and let everybody keep playing your games and then come back swinging for the fences with all you know Bayonetta three or Bayonetta three Boogaloo for everyone and other consoles. You know, so. There's a there's a there's a clear limit on where they're going, and hopefully, you know, they get all the games that they currently have working on, and then we can have that big reveal maybe on Tokyo Game Show. Maybe we can have it on E and E three that got confirmed for 2022. So there, there's there's hope. Don't don't, don't give up yet. <laughs> I appreciate. Thank you. Thank you for never give up. Never surrender. I'll keep you in my thoughts whenever I have a bad day. I'll just be dizzy. Don't give it. Don't give up yet. Don't give up. Um, and yes. but that's a good point. I wanted to bring up too because uh, well, well I, I, first of all, I was thinking we could talk about Bandai and all that, and then talk about all the 
indie stuff than everything else, just to kind of get Bandai out of the way. But I did want to mention, too, it, just, like, this discussion of, yeah, it's, it's, this year's got a few stuff and all that, but when you think about it, of how many, and again, these could be pushed back, right? Breath of the Wild, they didn't seem super confident that he was even going to be in 2022 or whatever, but there's a lot of games that got announced for 2022, if like three quarter of mm -hmm. these games come out next year in 2022, 2022 is going to be insane. Like we're complaining now of them not showing stuff, but once 2022 gets here and then they have more stuff to maybe overall show next year, it's going to be the on the opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like. It's going to be like so much and it'd be like, well, y'all were complaining and now you got all of everything just coming out once, so... Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that we have selective memory because we still haven't crossed the threshold of like going through half the year. We're like, we're, we're in the six months. So we got uh, August, September, October, and November. And in those four months, there's a lot of games that been announced since last year, but we don't have the marketing and the up to date on what it's going on now. So there's, a lot of games are going to be like shadow drops, surprise drop, like, hey, guys, remember me? I was here, and I was supposed to come out this date. And you're like, oh, wait, yeah, I did pre-order you. How how did I forget? Because we got a lot of time now to play all these games. We had the big bomb drop that in, in December or in winter, depending on how it, it, they're changing the date, we're going to have that Halo Suite multiplayer to play for free on PC and on the Series S or X. And we're going to be, you know, so focused on all the new free-to-play games that we can play with friends. And then all the story games that are coming out or we just haven't had time to finish that backlog. Because right now, I know that Wilden did it. I did it. Draguna did it. Pepperoni did it. Kamikat did it. I don't know if you're listening to you did it, but your wish list on Steam or on your console suddenly has 10 to 15 or 20 or maybe in this case 100 games, you know, there waiting for you. So to one day buy and play at the same time. And it just, that's just the thing. We're, we're going to forget of all the games that we just added to our wish list. And then like, oh, wait, I did add you. Hey, you're on sale. Yeah, bye, Jeet. Let's go. And yeah, yeah, that's that's how yeah. my wishlist has built up to over a hundred over the last four years. Because I just keep adding stuff, and then it's there, and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh crap. And then it's like, oh no, if I'm ready to buy yet, and then it never. Yep, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, so just real quick before we get to, I think the rest of the stuff of the day, I just want to get through bandai real quick uh we they had the thing they just talked about uh i think it's called house of ashes or some ashes which is the they're uh, what's it called? they talked about they talked about the the house of ashes which is the next episode in the dark picture anthology which yeah. is the new long-term branding or long-term plan of horror games that they have been part of and it looks really cool if you like Until Dawn or if you like The Man from Medan. Those type of horror games that are really, really... They're using life capture of real actors into adding them to the game. They're really fun. They, they're really good because it's a shushiro adventure. You know, you can decide if everybody dies or everybody lives. And they just gave a focus on that series, which I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a nice little thing. and again it wasn't super long. It didn't feel like 
like certain other ones, other presentations where I'm like, oh, they're spending half the presentation talking about this. They told you one specific thing and it didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. They kept it on the shorter end. I mean, I still got to play Little Hope, but... And like and you know, and they, I, I mean, I, I enjoy these games. So, sometimes there might not be the best review necessarily here or there, but they're fun enough to play. Again, they're fun enough to play with other people. Came over talking about before. Uh, it's it would be a good thing to stream and have other people watch you make certain decisions and all that. I, mean, I remember until dawn before, like mm-hmm. that was kind of before Twitch really started like picking off and just like sitting with somebody else and watching them play for the first time and just seeing their reactions and all that just being in the same room was a thing so it's it's a good thing for that uh it's is anybody else uh, interested in the uh the uh, the new one I mean, it's definitely no. a, a game series that i think does really well for like getting people's reactions if you're if you're a streamer so from that aspect, I think it's a really cool, cool game series, and it's nice to see that they're continuing it on. Hmm. Cool, cool. Uh, so what we'll do here is, well, let's talk about the rest of the stuff they show because I kind of okay. dipped out a little bit. Talk about the rest of the indie stuff they showed, and then we'll end off talking, kind of like our overall thoughts of E3 overall, what we thought, and what we thought was the best of certain things and not so much and have our final like main discussion there so i'll know i'll know who watched uh some of the ending stuff uh who wants to kind of start off with that well i know that dizzy (laughs) um (laughs) who who has the favorites and stuff like that um i guess i guess i can go a quick or uh cammy was there anything from these other events that you watched that popped out to you or did you watch um... any other stuff I, I mean, I think I've talked about pretty much everything that I want to talk about other than what happened at the awards show. I, I have some interest in that. Okay, okay. Uh, Pepperoni, did you watch any of the other indie or smaller showcases today? No, not really. All I paid okay. attention to was Nintendo. Okay, uh, Draguna, did you watch any of the stuff today? Do you have any games? She dreams oh, yes. elsewhere. She dreams elsewhere. I've been playing this game since 2018 when I first saw it as a demo at DreamHack in Atlanta. It immediately caught my eye. This game is, I cannot wait for this game to be to be released. I was hooked the day I got it. I went back from DreamHack Atlanta. I downloaded the demo. I played the demo. I sped ran the demo. I am obsessed with this game. I cannot legitimately, if it dropped right now, I would spend so much money wanting to play this game. I, this is the most hype indie game I've basically ever touched. And it's so cool because it mixes basically the elements of, you know, uh, Earthbound, Final Fantasy, Persona, Shin Megami Tensei, um, uh, Undertale, the RPG makers kind of concept, if you will, like that 2D scroller. And then the whole pro- the whole the whole plot is basically based around uh, that you are in your own nightmare and you have to get out of your own head. You're dreaming. You're in a nightmare. And so you have to fight all of your demons and all of your issues in your head. And so it's really, really cool. It's also very POC-centric, which I think was really something else that really caught my eye when I played the demo. Mm-hmm. It's a very POC-centric game, which is fantastic. And it's just like, you know, the enemies are like, you know, talking about like maybe like exes or, you know, uh, other type of situations. And it just... it. Mm-hmm. 
plays with your mind. I wish the demo showed you so much more in depth about what this demo does because it's it's the artwork is genius for for how they did it. Okay, I just watched the trailer. Yep. <laughs> um, you I, I am now as hyped as you are. Um, the, the the demo, the demo. I think it's the same demo the one that I played from 2018. Um, it's free on Steam. I highly encourage if you're a fan of RPGs. I highly encourage you to check it out. It's only like two hours long, but it is it's a two hour journey that you walk through that you will just be like, oh wow, what have I gotten myself into? I'm gonna mm-hmm. add this to the list then, because you, you're typing up pretty good. Yeah, I've got the download going right now, <laughs> like right now. What's it called again? One more time, so I can make a note. She, she, uh, she dreams elsewhere. She dreams elsewhere. She dreams elsewhere. Alrighty, I'm added mm-hmm. to the thing. So I I can fan myself, right? I can fan now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm fanning, fanning. Calm down, okay. calm down, buddy. Calm down. I know you probably don't have any tattoos of it yet, or maybe you do, but just, just calm. Down. All right, all right. It, uh, so, dizzy. So after the the Bandai Namco showcase, we had Rika Studio present eight games in fifteen minutes, really quick. Like it was a fifteen dollars or less, kind of like a Geico uh, announcement and everything. And they announced two games that stood out so bad for me. One is Mohism, Battle of Words, which is a detective game, pretty much inspired like uh, uh, Ace Attorney. But when you try to do the persecution and investigation on someone, every word you say comes out like a sword and is stabbing the person for lying. So it looked really cool, even though it's based on, on China. So some people just, you know, sometimes don't like that culture, but the whole concept of how it looked it was amazing. So I, I really do enjoy those type of visual novel and detective type of games. But the one that it won an award, and for me it looks amazing and the concept is amazing, is called Loopmancer. It is a Castlevania platformer style, which you got to uh, kill some different type of uh, boss in every level. And the whole story is that you're dead, but they revive you to kill yourself before you actually uh, you get killed. So it's one of that real weird concept that goes out for an indie game. And it looked amazing. It plays out really well. They both have uh, demos out. So if you would like to check them out, you can do that. But after that, we had the GameSpot Play For All Showcase, which clearly one of the one that stood out for Draguna was She Dreams Elsewhere. It also st- stood out for me. But... It also have some games that were really fun, like Super Drink Bros. You choose your cola can and you fight someone else to become the top cola. I like fighting games. So, if, I, I I do want to put if Pepsi Man is not in this in some way, shape, or form, <laughs> I'm going to be very sad. It's actually a DLC. Pepsi Man DLC. Let's go. Yep. No, no. The, like the the game is out right now and it's there's a dlc which is pepsi man so it it will be like oh no (laughs) here we go so that was one of them another one it was a a choices matter type of game called minds beneath us which taking more or less a concept like she dreams elsewhere it's that your mind is playing tricks on you it tells you that you're that you're okay but you just suffered an accident and then when you try to solve 
a mystery, you become a monster because your mind thinks you're an animal, something like that. So it has a lot of things going on that makes it like really stand out because you don't you don't know if it's just a mind game going on. And it was really interesting in, from my point of view. And the final one that was there that really stood out for me at the end was Blind Fate Edo no Jami. It is, a, once again, a side-scroller, hack them, uh, hack, beat them up, hack and slash. But it, it it's like a cybernetic ninja that you can change different type of, of uh, electricity and forms and shapes. And you just got to defeat the enemy. But everything is kind of like a puzzle. So think like Shadow of the Colossus. But instead of being a big, big, big monster, it's just a, another samurai that's also cybernetic and, and cyberpunkish and out of time and all that. And those were like the games that stood out. Cheat Dreams elsewhere, clearly, you know, I love the presentation, the music and everything just drew me into it. So I think I'm hypnotized right now for the game because of the graphics and the music. Maybe if I just sleep, I'll snap out of it and then remove it from my wish list or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but it was, it was really good. It was a nice presentation that lasted an hour. The GameSpot Play For All Showcase. And a lot of indie games, once again, presented with a great priority. These are the ones that stood out for me and I added to my wish list right now. But there were a lot of more games presented and a lot more different choices matter, different style of games that people could check out. So there's a little bit for everything. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, guys, make sure you go back and right watch the vods of those if you missed it uh it sounds like there's some cool stuff out there and even on the last day towards then you know so they'd be dropping a new game or two never heard of this weekend and it's you know that's so yeah keep an eye out for things like that uh so i i think that's that kind of pretty much sums up mostly all the events for today uh overall but then at the end they had their own kind of sort of e3 awards and things like that and we don't necessarily have to have our own awards, but we can talk about kind of what we felt with E3 overall, where we're free for presentations and things like that. Uh, but I really want to start off with Cammy because Cammy wants to kind of talk about things that got announced for awards and things of that sort. So Cammy, take us off here towards our last segment, uh, talking about awards and E3 in general and all that jazz. I, mean, I, I like that they took and they did booth by booth or... What would be booths at E3, and and they kind of pulled that in again. Like, let's uh, let's let's take game most anticipated game from every booth, and we'll we'll throw it out there. And uh, I thought, pretty much for the most part, everything I I really kind of agreed with. Um. I I don't know that I would have gone with Forza. Um, I, I don't think Forza is my most anticipated game of the year. I I think my most anticipated game of the year is probably one of these indie games that I think should have gotten a nod there. I think that this year is the year of the indies, and maybe they, they should have given the nod to an indie game for that most anticipated award. I think they should have gone with What the Duck. <laughs> That'd be great if they did. I mean, let's just be glad it wasn't Last of Us Part Two. Oh, jeez. Ooh. Ooh. See, see, the thing is that last year, the real game of the year was Hades. 
Yeah, but, I completely agree with that too. And and oh, then yeah. when you look at it, Hades was an indie game. And it was an indie game that even though it got released on early access on a platform, when it got released into the major public, everybody just loved it. Everybody played it. And then suddenly now we're getting console port for that game that apparently everybody thought it was like, oh, that game was never it was never gonna come. And that now it happened on E3. So what did we learn? Never say never. Sometimes there's a chance that it will actually happen. So someday the PlayStation 5 will actually have cross backwards compatibility to play PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation 3 games. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. I, I, uh, think, I, I think if we're going to go down that route, I think the first thing we need to say is that eventually the PS5 will be available to the public. No, 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 no. Because you you, you got to assume that the PlayStation 5 exists. So since it's still in development, we, yeah. we know that it's going to have backwards compatibility. <laughs> I just, man, I, I I can't help it. Like, I got lucky to get one, but also I feel a bit of, like, a, a jerk a bit, because then, like, so many people still don't have one, and I, I'm like, oh, must be nice, well, then, to have a PS5, huh? And I'm like, hey, I, yeah, I mean, it's nice. I like it. No, they're not, it's like, that's the joke, because now, now... You're just beta testing it for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah. They keep talking about revamping it or moving it around or whatever the heck they're doing. But in, in terms of, like, the real standout for the game, mm -hmm. for me, I actually do agree a little bit on Forza because car games are the best way to just burn through your CPU, your GPU, trying to get that high-quality feeling and... Since we're finally getting a Latin America place, the Latin American public is going crazy with that game. And I, I have a lot of friends that they have never played Forza, but suddenly it's like, oh, wait, it's in Mexico? Hell yeah, I, I, I used to travel to Mexico. We're going to play this game now. It's like, oh my God, I can finally play multiplayer in this game. Something that I never managed to do before because I had no friends that wanted to drive a car with me because they're afraid that I'll kill them even though it's a video game. <laughs> okay, interesting, interesting. But but for me, honestly, okay, the one that was the one that the one that hyped me up the most clearly was Halo. The mere fact that the multiplayer was free and the season pass is is a a season pass. It doesn't expire. You can buy them all together if you want them because they they're not they remove the fear of missing out which doesn't need you to grind the season pass at the moment and that was such a great concept it was a game changer that that's the thing that we need the changing how the industry works and that yeah. mere fact that halo is doing this shows again that halo it every time it comes out or it drops or it does something does change the industry having season pass that are forever not a oh this is a your one thing if you missed out sucks to be you that was amazing i love that and now since it's free i i don't have to force someone to play it with me i guess i like hey you can download it and we can play this weekend and you're like sure yeah let's, let's do it and it, it it's amazing like i i, I did enjoy that a lot yeah um i think game of the year this year was game pass Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if if us gamers want anything, I mean, it's that Game Pass, man. It's like you, like you were talking about the other podcasts. I mean, you said it. It was you know, 
each thing was day one game pass, day one game pass, mm -hmm. you know, and Dizzy was like, oh, I'm going to get up and leave for a second, come back, because it was coming game pass day one, you know, and it's just, mm -hmm. it is, that is yep. like the big winner there, but I mean, if I had to pick one too, though, like, if I had to pick a particular game, there wasn't really one game from this whole event, to be honest, where I was like, yes, that's my game, uh, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be Halo, for kind of the same reasons Dizzy said. I'm in the you know, I might be in a minority where I don't really care about the multiplayer, and that's pretty much the big deal for a lot of people, but I'm, you know, a single-player guy. But again, the concept of it and everything else and what they're doing with it, that would be my pick. I understand Forza, though, too. Like, it, as far as, I mean, some people could say, oh, like they sell the show, like, it, oh, maybe it should be Breath of the Wild, but I felt like... Like, but with Halo and Forza, we got a, we got decent gameplay footage. We got a good amount of it, and I feel like it's more fair in that sense to pick one of those two over like a Breath of the Wild, where we got just a little bit of footage. There's hype, you know, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I would pick. Uh, yeah, one thing I would add to that is that we also got a close date. We didn't get a year because for Breath of the Wild, we only got the year. It doesn't mean that it's going to be early 2022. 20, uh, right. It could be just like December 2022, which just what happened with Halo. So having a clear date on where, when we're going to get our hands on it and how we're on which services we're going to get it, that's for me was amazing. And one thing that people are forgetting is that cross play or cross progression is really really necessary nowadays to justify your game to be that one multiplayer game that everybody enjoys and having halo come out on pc and on the xbox series and also having that you could play on either way and you can still have your progress and you can play with friends on either side it's just so good you know you're not alone again <laughs> like before yeah. we we had to with other games yeah it's gonna be interesting gonna... to see I'm going to make a prediction. Yeah, right go now. ahead, Cammy. And I'm going to make a prediction for next year's E3. Mm -hmm. They're going to announce some kind of Halo Battle Royal within within Infinite for next year. Well, the thing, I would almost agree with you, but the thing is, between now and th like at this time next year, do you think Battle Royale is going to be as popular as it is right now? Because I feel like I feel like Battle Royales are slowly declining. Because, um, like... Fortnite, I think, is kind of reaching its end point. I think it's the same with Apex. I think, you know, you know, they're kind of reaching their end point. Everything's kind of pushing itself more towards esports now. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Halo is big in the esports realm. So the question would be if a Halo Battle Royale would be worth it, except for milking for cash. And, and you wouldn't have to milk for cash in particular because the multiplayer is the multiplayer modes that you never getting on any other free to play game you're getting battle royale not battle royale i mean team deathmatch you're getting captured a flag you're getting bomb rush or whatever similar concept they call it in halo you're getting the skulls so everything that you used to pay for a full package of a game just to play multiplayer with your friends it's free now and people love free things they willing to buy season pass microtransactions things like that to support the game that they enjoy and this this could be you know that that one game that suddenly it's like oh no not like these we got to change it because what happened to the hero shooters after overwatch we had one every single day to play and now 
we only have Overwatch 2. <laughs> That's it. So, but you so, can't even have that because it's not out yet. Exactly. So so they even even yeah. Overwatch is a doubtful about Overwatch. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 interesting, all right. Um how that's going. It's Yeah, I yeah, especially too, yeah, because, like, the whole multiplayer is going to be free, and then, again, that concept of just, like, being able to go back, I mean, I feel like is are other companies going to kind of follow suit now? Because they're like, oh, crap, but, like, they're just going to keep this old pass around now, and then everybody's going to be like, yeah, Apex, Fortnite, or whatever, what about if we wanted to go back to the other thing? Or, like, oh, well, it's, I mean, we could start now, but, you know, and just... If that works, that could kind of change the game too. And what could end up happening is that, in a in a way, I don't know if I would believe this like five years ago, but like Halo is somehow once again kind of like with G four coming back, like Halo is somehow going to change the game again and be that mm -hmm. big game changer that was when it first started. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but it seems like that's what might happen here. It's come full circle. And it confirms my prediction that Microsoft was going to announce a game-changing service. In this case, it's a free multiplayer game that pretty much everyone and their mothers and their grandfathers and their grandfamily and even the little uh, unborn children that they have in their family are going to play Halo. They're going to enjoy it and maybe get the first week of the Battle Pass, but everything else, they're going to be playing Halo. Halo is the game that everybody's gonna play. It, it probably the servers are gonna crash because they didn't expect that many people playing it day one. Mm hmm. And, and speaking of two, that's a good point. Uh, I know for one, my two outlandish predictions didn't come true at all. But I, I can't remember if anybody else remembers their predictions and got theirs right or relatively correct. I only I got one. I don't think I got any of mine right, which is to be expected because I shot to the moon. Yeah. Since yeah. <laughs> none of mine were recorded, I I nailed everything. It was all predicted. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Per perfect grade. Yep. Touche. Touche. Well played. <laughs> if it be by, it would definitely be Cammy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, yeah. So I kind of so. What do we think though about like E three overall this year? I I kind of feel, as far as years go, I think it. I feel like it might be one of its worst years, weirdly enough. Just in terms of, I, I guess, there wasn't that one game or anything that happened that really jumped into me, even though there was yeah, some good stuff there. I I agree with that. I 100% disagree. I think this was one of the better E3s in general. Because you got to realize the thing that, like, nothing was big, nothing stood out. Nothing was going to be big. Nothing was going to be. They had the challenge of the pandemic a year ago to where all so many of these game companies had to basically put everything on halt. And yet we still got so many great releases, so many new announcements, so many big news, so much wow factor, you know? And then there's the idea that even during the pandemic, we're getting a new console, you know? I mean, it may not be one that's going to be graphically overarching and something that's going to push the boundaries of what many consider, you know, like mainstream gaming. But I think the Amico is definitely a game changer and I think it's something that we as a society really, as we as a gaming culture, really truly need. We need to not gatekeep those who are, you know, like limited to just their mobile games. I know so many friends who are, you know, they, they get intimidated when they see a Super Nintendo controller. 
<laughs> much less when they see, yeah. you know, all the buttons that are on an Xbox or a PlayStation and stuff like that. This is just a great way for, for me to introduce them to these fun and fun and great activities. On top of the fact that we're going to get some really, really good, you know, traditional games like Fernigan Fox, Dolphin Quest, Earthworm Jim. The games are only $10. I think I'm, I'm really hoping this is going to be the big successor. That's what I'm really wanting to see. And I think with that, you know, there were it wasn't the best E3. I'll be honest. It wasn't the best. There weren't, you know, like that E3 where you get brand new PlayStation consoles, Xbox consoles, and a Nintendo console. But I think it was really good. Um, and I give it a 7.5. Okay. So, if we're giving it rating out 10, I'd have to give it like... Uh, maybe, uh, maybe like a... I don't know. I mean, I could maybe go as high as a seven, but I wouldn't go above a seven. For me, this was a solid four. Mm. What about you, Cammy? There was only think? one game that there okay. was one game that stood out to me, and that was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Everything else was just kind of. Oh, okay. You did like that Guardians, uh? So Cammy, I understand it's probably because of my Marvel bias that it stuck out so much, but like, if come on, guys. Like, okay, like, if it weren't for the pandemic, I may actually be inclined to agree with you. But we, there was, I mean, everything was basically put on a halt. That's one of the reasons why I'm giving this thing as high, because uh, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, here. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the indie category that my Southern accent just came out. I'm so sorry. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the indie category that made my mouth, I mean, made my mouth drop. And I went, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. That's, that's fair. Sammy. I'm 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 ready to go at this like so I think honestly if I had to if I had to put it into words it was one of the strongest E3s for me um and I would go as high up as an 8 for this year okay and not because of triple A's not because of anything like that would normally be the the go to for me it is all about those indies they they got to shine, and it's about time that indies got recognized. Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to be blown away by the quality of these smaller studios. And I think it really shows the power of smaller teams to survive in things like this this pandemic world that we live in. This hopefully post-pandemic world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Dizzy. Well, at least I know there's someone of culture, and that's Cami. Thank you. <laughs> because this E3 was great in the concept that we had no expectations for it. We know that the consoles are already out, which means that the hype factor for all the, of the things that we're going to see would be based on the software, on the games and all that. The mere fact that indie games overwhelmed a AAA studio which showed that even you having all the power in the world, you do not have the maybe the resources or the uh, presentation that you need to show off the next big game that you were supposed to hype. That's without counting that the big players, such as EA, one that actually just takes like maybe two-hour presentations because they show off all the sports game and all the different titles that they do, has its own conference during the summer, not doing it three, showed a lot of the change that is happening right now in the industry in a post-pandemic world and people presenting their games. Even though we had, a, I had a joke going on with 
people presenting so much about it and uh, in the game presenting so much information in less than a weekend the game actually does look nice it has a demo out it has the full support also from xbox and all that and we're seeing how the big big companies the triple a are looking down now to the double a to the indie games and trying to give them that rite of passage to become the next hot thing because one of the biggest franchise right now in the world was an indie game and everybody hated on it but right now it's a billion dollar game and it's minecraft so that thing of oh no indie game caught my eye but suddenly you're saying like oh i love minecraft so you do like indie you know you do like a small game that just got you know slowly developed and over time it became a really really big thing and for me seeing maybe more than 150 you know uh, indie games here so it was like catching all the pokemons i couldn't catch them all you know i, I couldn't get them all on my steam wishlist because some games are not made for me and it was amazing i i loved every single part of it and the biggest thing besides the amico console drop was the laptop drop from racer that it actually gave gives me a chance to play all my games in 4K, high resolution, VR ready things, things that I know I'm never going to use, but it gave me that chance now because it, it presents it right in a silver plate for us to get it and play it and enjoy it at the same time. And for me, it was a solid eight. I would push maybe 8.5 because it, it had little bit of everything to satisfy my needs as a gamer as a streamer as a content creator for the future there's one other thing i did want to talk about real fast since I, you all were talking about it and it hasn't been thrown um <clears throat> this was the year of inclusion this was a year that needed to happen in the gaming industry not way just way i go hmm it, it, it it's supposed to happen way many years ago i agree but now we have we had actual panels for it, which is something yeah. that mm -hmm. this A3 was weird for many people because it wasn't just watching, you know, games. We had people talking about real topic, real things that we need to do. We had uh, developer interviews talking about a, the specific problem that they were needed to be talked about. Yeah, yeah. So it's it yeah, what you were saying. Yeah, like these these panels didn't feel like when sometimes. Uh, they when someone a you know big company will bring something in and they'll have like a five minute thing talking about inclusion. These are our panels with people who have are in the industry talking about like, you know, I remember earlier today there was a whole big debate about hair. And it's it's one it's like for me, I was like, I'd never noticed that, but it's true. You know, and it it, it, it makes me think about stuff. And that's what we needed. E three needed to give them that opportunity and that space with that big of an audience to say this needs to change and i'm so glad they did and it, it was pr the, probably the best time because it's like you had the indie games that really pushed forward this you had a lot of the less the smaller voices kind of get a chance to say something and now we have this opportunity where it's like no we're gonna dedicate a lot of time on the main stage to talk about these issues and the to say finally these are issues that should have been resolved 5 10 20 years ago and it's, a, you know, now we're actually giving them a room to talk about it in their voice, not someone else dictating their voice. It's their voice saying what's on their mind. That is great. That's that's 
the movements. That's part of the movement of the gaming industry that needs to happen. Mm. Gaming and entertainment as a whole, and I think everything is moving that direction. Yeah. It's a little late, but uh, we're finally getting there. Uh, we're finally getting there. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree in that sense for a lot of that stuff. I think, I guess for me, it's just more on... It's not even necessarily the AAA stuff. It's just... You had, again, the Bandai thing. They covered one game. Warren Brothers, they just cover one game. That's fine, but I feel like, again... I, when I think of E3, I, I don't want... If Bandai's going to be there, give me a showcase of games, not just coverage of one game for 10 to 15 minutes. You can do that on YouTube channels. They do stuff like that on the gaming YouTube channels all the time. And then you had Square, which was, like, kind of okay but not great. You had the PC gaming show, which felt like a... was really slow and dragged out. And in one sense it's nice to kind of had the indie spread out a little bit but it's did i need that over four days though i like this just the content i had particular this year i felt like why is this four days it just felt like by it was going on and on i like i'm watching all this and this was the first time where i felt after watching e3 like i just felt physically drained i felt like i was actually there and all I'm doing is doing nothing but sitting here watching on my computer. And I've never felt that watching another E3 or event or something like that. And so all the conversations, all that you're all talking about, definitely, I feel like that all should be in there. But just the way certain stuff was laid out, the way certain things they had there. I know it's all pandemic and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like, don't, don't just, just don't be there at that point. You know, and, and I mean... it felt like some of... Again, it's like, why have that there at all? If you're going to be there, show showcase of something, or just not be there and put stuff on your YouTube or something like that. It just felt like overall be, it just dragged to me. I think to be fair, though, we were covering it. We were taking notes. We were watching it intently. Any other year, most of us would have just been sitting there, kind of half watching it. We'd tune in when we heard a big announcement that we've been looking forward to or saw a trailer that looked really cool. I but mean, I, I watched it. Zoning I'm, in and out. Oh, no, I, I, that's that's fair. And some of us, again, like, I, I, we weren't, you know, I'm not working right now, you know. And so you're you're correct in that sense. There are some people like that. But, I mean, at least for me, though, I did watch a majority of stuff. And even when I was working in school, especially with E3, E3 had, like, three to four hour coverage each day. Granted, it wasn't, like, the full day, but it's still, like, every day they had three or four hour segments and whether i was there or not i would sit there and watch it or record it and then watch it so like at least for me i pretty much did watch everything but that's just me though to be fair we're also in our 30s that's true we are getting older you're <laughs> we're, right about that we're, we're, we're not kids anymore that's true me sitting at 19 <clears throat> ah, it's it's fine you got you got a lot of good years ahead of you left for, for me, I yeah, always been I think focusing. I'm still in the mind. I'm still in the mindset of video games can only be as good as AAA, and I haven't really been exposed to a lot of indies. Well, so hopefully, I think that's probably uh, why I'm giving it such a low score. Well, hopefully, this like uh, will be a good intro. There's a couple there that you maybe can try out, and then you might find a whole new world of imagination out there. You know. Yeah, uh, but I'm gonna tell you right now. The f the however highly you guys talked about that one game, 
that you guys watched the trailer for that I don't remember what you guys said it was. She dreams elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it, yeah, because I'm, yeah, Kami finished watching the trailer for that and said it made a believer. So I'm probably going to watch that one more and wrap up with this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why, and again, that's like why I had like everybody here because to have these like differences of opinion and stuff like that and uh, to have these, you know, sort of discussions and everything. So, I mean, I think part of it too is just, I like, I don't know. It's just, I guess it's me just being grumpy and just like, I miss like physically having an E3 of sorts. And I hope like next year they find a way of kind of mixing the two together right and everything and it just i guess that's the other thing because usually the conferences were at most three days they never had like a fourth day really because that was the day where it's like oh the show floor is open you go and then it kind of carried on a bit so i guess maybe that's part of it too why i'm feeling a little bit more tired because it's that extra day well there's um, also the, there's also the idea sorry go ahead no, no, you go ahead. I was just going to lament on the E3s of old. You go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, because, like, there was, all, it was also, you know, in the E3s in the past, you basically had three or four big shows. In the, in the, you know, you'd have Microsoft, EA, and Nintendo, and Sony. That was it. Any other, and, like, that was where you saw all of your games. This is one of the first times where, like, Bandai has its own big show. Um, you know, Square Enix in the past has had a show, but it's always kind of been like an online thing. Never, it's always been like in the middle of the marathon, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's always been the, you know, it's always been like these big, big, big skepticals. And this was, like I said, the first time where we, they've kind of pulled back a little bit. You know, we had Capcom that I, I believe for the first time gave their own thing. We had a lot of indie presentations throughout this whole thing. We actually had hour long panels. You know, that's how this whole thing laid out. And that's one of the reasons why this time, rather than, you know, you have maybe like a four or five hour day at E3, you have a 10 hour day because of how everything was spread out. And then they put things in the middle as filler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, in the past, the only times we've seen E3 is when a major network decided to cover it. Like, for the most part, for, for a lot of our lives, E3 wasn't an open event. It yeah. was, yeah. we got G4's coverage of it. Or we got nothing. And of course, G4 is only going to cover the biggest events. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't really do them much good to cover the little stuff that nobody ever sees, you know? Well, that that's and interesting. So, oh, go ahead, Cam. I'm sorry. And so this year, we kind of got everything. Because there wasn't as much to show off. They couldn't just highly focus the big shows. So we got a lot of the smaller panels. got a lot of the indie games. And I, I think just to, to judge how how effective this E3 was is go back and look at your wish list and and think about your wish list from previous E3s. Maybe it's three games, major games that got announced that you're like, I'm so hyped for that. But how many games this year are you coming out of this show going, holy crap, that looks fun, that looks fun, that looks fun. They may not blow you away, but you got to be hyped for a lot of these indie games that are coming out. That's one thing that I would like to point out, that when you look at the E3 of old, there were a lot of indie games too. There was a lot of booths available for indie games that people just didn't look or didn't get the coverage at the time because everybody else was fighting to scramble to be part of the big three, of the triple A side. And 
now we got access to all the indie games because they're presented in the main stage. They get shared with everybody else. Suddenly you feel overwhelmed because now you're getting more games that you will get from the past. Now, instead of just focusing on a console, you're getting access to the console, to the parts, to the games, to the system, to the battle pass, to whatever, everything else is added. Because one thing that we hated when E3 started doing a lot was when they only announced DLCs, they didn't announce any games, yet people still loved it. Now, this year, we had a nice mix of DLCs, of full-on games, of full-on consoles and everything, and yet we, uh, many viewers or many uh, of people like us as a consumer didn't enjoy it. And it's weird because now we don't know what to expect anymore as a consumer to buy games, to buy things. I don't know. That's, that's like my, my different take on everything that's going on. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting, I guess, looking back old times, because then I start thinking about how stuff was covered back then, and now, you know, with G4 coming back, but all, the, all these other media things, now so many media things exist, I feel like, and part of it too is going to be like, well, they're all going to cover the same thing, because they did, because of business deals, and sponsorships, and this and all that, but, you know with all these different outlets, it's it should be a lot easier for everything to get some sort of spotlight as outlets just continue to, whether it's big or smaller, just little companies or people just doing podcasts or whatever, I feel like it should be, it should be a little bit easier for a lot, for most games to get exposure and not have to worry about whether they're smaller or bigger or stuff. Uh, whether that's going to be the case or not, I don't know. But it just got me thinking, like, that'd be, you know, interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, so to finish this off, we're in a brand new world post-pandemic. Yes. Uh, we we didn't, we just finished E3, but we still have a whole summer game fest available. So yep. Summer still has a lot of all the conferences and, and news and announcement to participate. And hopefully we'll show cover with if, if Wilden allows us to join him after seeing everything that's going to be happening in Summer. Yeah, but, I, don't, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about it. I have to grade y'all and I'll let you know what I think. And uh, I'll, let, I'll, I'll have no. to decide. Nope. Don't, don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on it. I'm just going to evaluate you and see how i feel and if you get the position back you do if you don't you know it's nothing against you it's just you know sort of... <laughs> mm -hmm. this was the best the whole time yeah oh no that was a really long interview process surprise oh, this no. was a i was gonna time. ask too um like do we want to come back and do an ea episode when that happens yeah uh, i think we I should at least do an ea yeah do i have to give references um i mean i never i never sent you my resume do you want my resume I have a I have a reel too. I mean, if we're gonna go, if this is a job interview, I I need to be. A, I need you need make, a background I need, check. I need a yeah. resume. Yeah. I need a reel. Uh, if you got any you want my agent's podcasts. number, I can, I can send you my agent's number. My <laughs> clients need to see the contract, and my clients are multiple <laughs> of them, including myself. So please. Well, 
Well, again, just keep a note. This isn't paid work. This is you're doing it because you care. This is we're you know, getting it's all paid in exposure and grace, and that's enough to feed me for nothing. But it's gonna be good enough. <laughs> and that's where we end. And that's that's where we end with that. Uh, no, but to yeah, to sum things up, I'm I'm actually am really looking forward to E3 next year, even if like. Just the fact the potential of it may or may not be in person, but the fact that we do have a lot of games that's mean to be coming out next year. So I I'm really am excited about E3 next year. But I'm so happy that through this uh, process that uh, I had a group of people with me uh, to do this with on these podcasts. So I'd like to thank everybody here that's joined me in all these episodes and your commitment and watching it and have these long uh, and important discussions about things and it's been a blast and uh, thank you to all of you for participating in this with me i want to start off first with cammy who kind of was like a last minute sort of addition but uh i'm glad that you decided to hop in here cammy and show that you were interested in joining us where can yeah, people I'm, find I'm, you cammy i'm glad you had me I, I hope you'll continue to keep me on possibly and uh maybe next year i'll be watching e3 with my new hazel mask on rocking the lgb mask I'm, I'm excited about that heck yeah heck yeah and then uh one more time cammy if you want to uh just let people know where to find you tell them what's going on sunday yeah 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 uh follow me on twitter at camicat 86 or on twitch uh, both those places i'm fairly active and uh this sunday starting at noon eastern come over to the g4 community stream on twitch where we will be raising money for Able Gamers. Able Gamers provides customized controllers and helps kids who otherwise wouldn't be able to play video games be able to play video games, as well as adults. Awesome. Awesome. Pepperoni, uh, you're one of the few that showed interest when I put the idea out there about maybe doing this, uh, and uh, you're on board to do it. I know... Uh, from doing previous interviews and stuff with you, you we wanted to do more of these things. So I hope you had fun uh, hanging out with us and doing it. And I appreciate you uh, giving us your input. Oh, yeah. No, doing this is always a blast, man. I love I've always loved doing the podcast like format because it's a great way to just like hang out with your friends and just have that be just out there in the universe. So that way more people can sort of get to know you on like a not to personal level if that that sounds kind of weird but you kind of you, like you get what i'm going for with this yeah 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 like no, it's I, a great i feel yeah <laughs> uh and uh it's is there anywhere people can find you or anything that you're working on or anything you want to share um i am not currently working on anything but you can find me at the lonely pepperoni on twitter and you can find my instagram Cool. I don't really have much else. I have a Twitch, but I don't use it. Okay. I don't know that. I appreciate it. Glad to have you here. Uh, Draguna. Yes. You uh, can find me pretty much anywhere and everywhere with uh, the name Midnight underscore Vesper. That's my Twitter. That's my Twitch. That's my... Thank YouTube? I don't know. I don't really use YouTube that often. But if you want to at me here, it's my it's my Discord name as well. So if you go into the G4 chat, and just type in at midnight underscore Vesper, you'll get me. So that's mm -hmm. basically there. So, yeah, best way to get me, best way to find me uh, on all the social mediums would be midnight underscore Vesper. Heck yeah. And, uh, again, thank you for being part of this. You were one of the first people I thought of to do this with. I was like, I get Draguna. I know 
you know, you do a lot of audio podcasting. You have a lot of experience. I know you give good insights. So thanks for uh, wanting to uh, be a part of this when I reached out to you. So I appreciate I'm also, it. I'm also the G4 Sailor Boy. So, you know, yeah. there's that. Mm-hmm. My costume is in a box. My costume for Sunday is in a bag right now. It is just sitting there. I should really put this on and make sure it fits me before Sunday. I, I, I if it, what a surprise. <laughs> if it doesn't fit, that's just. That's I'm about just to say, well, I hope donations. almost it doesn't fit, but you still wear it. It's kind of, it doesn't fit the way it used to be. Getting the, um, and and then of course, uh, again another person I reached out to, uh, the like probably the second person that popped in my head when I thought about doing this, uh, the other D and D and D dizzy. Oh, thank you. You can find me as dizzy diabetic on Twitch and on Instagram during the week. I mostly stream all the indie games and multiplayer games, depending on how everybody is playing or, or the crew is going on to play. Uh, you can also find me here in the G4 Discord. You can find me if Wilden, you know, allows me to be able to share my my friendships with everybody else. And as you can see and heard from all this podcast, we're probably gonna join up together to play multiplayer games and teach. At least I'll take on the mantle of Master DC to t- teach Wilden about Metroidvania type of games, to teach Kamika about all the esports and Final Fantasy games that she hasn't played, and everybody else, you know, I'll I'll teach you about gaming apparently because there's there's a gaming history class that we gotta start now. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, yeah, all right, well, we're getting put to school apparently from Dizzy. Uh, also, <laughs> I'm Wilden. You can find me on Twitch.tv/Wilden1990. That's also my Instagram, Twitter. I'm just at Wilden because like Highlander, there can only be one. But uh. I just want to say thank you guys who have listened. If you haven't listened to our past episodes that's going to be posted on the same page that this episode is posted on, make sure also uh, to check out while you're there the Panel Room Podcast where I interview members with the G4 community. And I'm actually bringing back that for another season here shortly. So if you're interested in being interviewed and you've never done it before, you uh, can contact me on there. Uh, in the meantime, guys, though, uh, until the next podcast, either way, uh, thank you for listening in.